Hi everyone, this is Diva from Blood Hunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit podcast. <coughs> Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast. Tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about all things hard rock and heavy metal. My name is Georgina, and I am here hosting with Blake tonight. Take it away, Blake. Hi, Georgina. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, huh? Pardon? <laughs> You're welcome. I'm being so prim and proper. You're so very welcome. We have, a, we have a heavy metal album to talk about tonight. We shouldn't be proper. I know. You're absolutely right. My bad. But anyway, first, before we start that, I'll just mention to everybody that this is the Metal Pit Podcast, which she said, which is related to our Metal Pit website, which is at www.themetalpit.org. And we are on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And we are on YouTube at The Metal Pit 666. So, Georgina, who are we talking about tonight? We are talking about one of my favorite bands. Pantella, Pantera, we got tongue twisted there. And we are going to be talking about one of my favorite albums, Vulgar Display of Power. And I, I'm actually really, really excited to kind of chat about this band um, and this actual CD. And um, so we could just kind of hit the ground running. Um, we might as well kind of start right with the lineup. All right. So we'll dig right in and we'll go with who who is the band, right? So the lineup basically is. Um, Phil, Phil Anselmo, right, who sings. And then he was joined by the founding members and brothers, Diamond Darrell, guitar, right? Vinnie Paul, drums. Um, Rex Rocker, also better known as Rex Brown in um, 1987, who was this great bass player. And beginning in 1981, uh, Pantera was a glam group from Dallas, Texas. And um, they covered songs by Kiss and Van Halen. And um, their first three albums, I Am The Night, which was in 1985, and then Projects in the Jungle, which was in 1984, and Metal Magic, which was 1983. Um, and they were all heavily influenced by this big hair movement that we all know and love. But there would be like this significant shift and change, um, especially as we all know when um, Dimebag died. And the band pushed more in the direction of the thrash scene. And it was intensified when Pantera remade themselves back in 1990 with their smash album, Cowboys from Hell. And they also, after obtaining their first like major label deal with atco so there's a lot of stuff going on here take it away blake okay and i will just before i will just say that of all i didn't hear any song from any of those first four albums <laughs> so i can't compare anything we talk about today to when they were a glam metal band or anything because i've never heard nothing so just so we know <laughs> right and i guess you haven't either right there's not much out there, you know. Uh, it's like a, yeah, it's like a see a big secret. I don't know if they're embarrassed about it or whatnot, but uh, there's kind of a lot that you can find, you know, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
So we will talk about, you mentioned Diamond's Dimebag's death. Uh, see, he was, of course, a dynamic guitarist whose six-string heroics were an essential ingredient as the band transitioned from their glam metal to their groove, thrash, whatever, heavy, lot heavier sound on Cowboys from Hell in 1990. Right. They they, they expanded, actually, the day, oh, I don't, have, I don't have the day here. Oh, wait, we do, sorry. <laughs> it was, oh, I don't know. I don't have the day of when Dimebag was shot, but I remember I was at I was at an Arch Enemy concert actually the same day. Oh wow! Arch Enemy and I can't remember who else was there, but I, and this is when Angela Gasso was in Arch Enemy. But every band did a song in tribute to Dimebag that night since he was shot that day by somebody at that. I guess it was at a Damage Plan show, right? Yeah. When they were in Damage Plan together. Yeah. So anyway, tell us more about this album. Well, uh, you want to talk about when you first heard the album? Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> Here, you first, you first. Mine is a shorty. I don't have much to say about when I heard it, but uh, I'll let you might have a little more bulk to add to this. Okay. Well, I don't, because I, for, as, as I mentioned, I never heard the first four glam metal albums. So Cowboys from Hell would be the first time I heard Pantera. And I can't really recall if I heard the song or seen the video for that song, whatever. But I know I loved that album when I got it. And then this album came out in 92, February 92. And I'm sure it was the case of as soon as it came out, I went and got it back then. But it's, I don't really, you know, can't remember for sure, but I'm sure I did since I did love Cowboys from Hell. And for seeing them live, I let's see, I think I only seen them live once. And that was with Slayer and Static X and Morbid oh Angel goodness. and some group called Scrape. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but, uh, so it was pretty memorable to see them with Slayer at the same concert, mm -hmm. except that people did decide to throw beer ball, beer drinks around this, the place while between sets. So it was kind of, I was glad I wasn't on the floor as people just went and bought beer to throw it around. I guess it was cheap back then, but I remember I was glad when Pantera <laughs> went on and they shut the lights off so people would stop throwing their beer around. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a great story. Like you don't hear stuff like this you know, anymore. Well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really understand it. Like uh, one person obviously started it, <laughs> but we were up. Me and my friend were up in the seats, like on the side at this hockey arena in Hamilton, Ontario, that it was at. But yeah, you just saw people going, bringing four beers back, and then just taking them out of their holder thing and throwing them. Wow. <laughs> I guess they had fun. Sounds like it. But anyway, I think, yes, as far as I can recall, that's the only time I've ever seen them live. But of course, it was a great show and everything. But yes, it's I would have loved to see them more often, for sure. Right. So that's you great. go ahead there, Georgina. I, I mean, I, I don't have much to say. I think I heard this album in um, my friend's Camaro. <laughs> we were driving around the neighborhood. Um, uh, nothing. I don't have anything fancy. And and then I just kind of went out and I bought the album and I have it on my own, you know, in my own collection. Um, as far as seeing them live, I I I I hate to say it, I've never seen them live. And I'm I'm embarrassed to say because I'm such a Pantera fan. 
but um, I haven't um, I haven't seen them live. So that's on the bucket list still till today. But they don't come through very often. <laughs> but know? did you hear, did you hear? Did you already know of them before this album? Of like, did course. you? Oh, okay. I did know. I did know of them, but I just I don't know. I think they were touring at the time here, but everyone comes to New York City, but I just can't recollect. Well, them. of course, Pantera is on tour now with uh, Zach Wild and. Uh, right. Benante there on drums so would you go see that if you had the chance to see it oh yeah definitely definitely i definitely would I see mean, i don't know if i would or not not that i have nothing against zach wilde and Benante, of course but right. i just don't know if i'd want to see it <laughs> i'm not sure i'm down i'm down i'd do it i'd go <laughs> without a question you have to twist my arm for that <laughs> but um but that's basically how like i i just remember like the beginning stages of like oh wow it's like oh my god pick this up sounds great but anyways moving right along we're gonna talk about you know the album itself and and maybe like some achievements of of this album because it was pretty groundbreaking for them you know and it well, first and foremost it was the sixth studio album um, by them, and I believe it was released in February of 1982, as I mentioned before. Um, 92. By, yeah, 92, um, by Abco Records. And if I'm not mistaken, the album lasts about 15 minutes in total, so that's pretty long. And in this album, Pantera kind of managed to make a little bit more and add some more efforts to varying their sound. Um, like they did kind of in Cowboys from Hell, which is pretty, you know, refreshing, lack of a better word. So in order for them to kind of keep pushing um, metal to more extreme stuff, Pantera kind of, you know, Phil used more greater violence. And, and I think he was taking something. Um, uh, some kind of substance <laughs> on the CD kind of assisted in like this aggression and fervor and this, this, this I'm not even surprised really is a great album I love it I don't care what he was doing but he did it right whatever he did it came that the end product came out right um, and I, I mean his vocal approach um, went into this like deeper growl and the the album features like these heavier guitar riffs and these more violent lyrics than than their previous work. It's it's so obvious. And I mean, a big achievement was was that it was like a commercial triumph. And I believe, and I know you know this fact, but I believe it peaked to forty four on the um, Billboard two hundred album. Um, and it spent a good 79 weeks there. Like it didn't budge, it just kind of stayed there. And it also achieved double platinum in um, the US. It uh, got gold in the United Kingdom and also in Canada. <laughs> and a platinum in Australia, right? The thunder from down under down there. And, and it also uh, was very technical, you know, it was a technical proficiency in there. There was this heaviness. And every song on the album is, is really, really good. And nothing about the vulgar show in this CD is weak. Nothing, nothing, nothing is weak in this album. This is just pure power. So that's, that's my little spiel on um, the album itself and some achievements, I think, um, that were produced 
um, with this body of work. Well, now, I see that uh, I read that Vinnie Paul said that, you know, Cowboy Smell was a truest sounding Pantera album to date, of course, since the first four were glam. <laughs> oh. But then they were, they quoted as saying that Metallica released their uh, self-titled album there, the one, the black one. And that Pantera felt it was a letdown to the fans and they thought that there, there was a void that they could fill. So that's why they wanted to make the heaviest album that anybody ever made is what their thought process was on this album. Wow. So okay. Take over for Metallica, I guess. And the people that jumped off the Metallica wagon, I guess. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. It's great. And it definitely was one of the most influ influential albums of the 90s, of course. And did you do you know where the title of the album came from? Do you know this? No, I don't. But okay. heck, I guess it was good. taken. I guess it was taken from the 1973 movie, The Exorcist. Was it? Oh, my. Because <laughs> I guess the priest says, if you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? And the girl says, that's much too vulgar a, a display of power. <laughs> wow. Did not know that. That's that's pretty awesome. Yes. So do you want to talk about the songs now? Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll we'll go we'll go down the list in our thoughts on each of these tracks. So we'll start with Mouth um, for War. And I believe that Mouth for War, it's probably one of my favorite songs um, that Pantera has ever recorded, actually. And here in this song, they, they demonstrated their ability to kind of increase the heaviness from obviously their previous stuff. And you've got Phil's growling vocals and have these excellent guitar riffs and the solid drumming by Vinny. It's really a metal classic and it's created when this legendary soloing with Dimebag and, and showing off his skills was like, bam, in your face. Really, really great stuff. Love this song. Well, I found that like, the drums really kick you in the face right to start off the album. And then, of course, Dimebag's heavy tone and riffing. But, of course, you could say that about every song on the album, except for maybe <laughs> right. the two slower songs. But <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Phil said the song is about channeling your hate into something productive mm -hmm. so like his lyrics when i channel my hate to productive i don't find it hard to impress like according to i don't know why but the song was written by a boxing middleweight champion james tony not sure what that has to do with mouth for war <laughs> but i guess i'm not a boxing fan so maybe that's why i don't understand that but yeah that's this a, is one of the best songs on the album too i know we're gonna say that probably about a lot of the songs though which is a problem but <laughs> so what about the new and new level i i love this song i love this song um it it, it once again a new level opens with this recognizable like guitar riff and it captures your attention right away. It really does. And it doesn't let up. You've got this like fantastic chorus. You've got these outstanding vocals from Phil. You've got this excellent bass playing from Rex. And again, 
to top it all off, you got another incredible solo from Dimebag. And this actually takes it to a new level of confidence and power. <laughs> I mean, it is a great song. It's a great song, really. Yeah, I was well, actually going to say that this does this this speaks to the album actually, as they do have a new level of confidence and power with the album mm-hmm. itself, not yep, just the song. Very true. Yeah. And this, even though you've probably already mentioned it, kind of, but since Philip is a lot more aggressive in his vocals, it's probably is the best vocal folk vocal performance by him so far. And Pantera, again, I can't compare to the first four <laughs> albums, but I'm sure he wasn't screaming too much on those ones and i do have one uh, side note about this song is uh madonna have you ever heard of madonna who's that girl (laughs) apparently on her sticky and sweet tour don't ask me what year that was but uh she performed i didn't even know she played the guitar does she maybe she does but it says she, she performed a riff from a new level on in a medley of one of her songs called Hang Up or Hung Up, sorry, Hung Up. And All then right. Philip was asked about this and he considered this to be strange <laughs> and said she's never reached out to any of us. But I appreciate her homage, but I just don't understand it. <laughs> that's hilarious, Mr. Cohn. That's hilarious. And what he said is even more hilarious. Oh my God, that's funny. I think I've seen a clip of that on YouTube, but I didn't know the whole, um, you know, ordeal behind that. Well, yeah, it just it says that her longtime guitarist taught her the riff, so he must have liked Mm -hmm. Pantera or something. But it doesn't really it's it is actually kind of odd, like because how many Madonna fans are going to know Pantera? So they probably thought she wrote this great riff. I don't know. like wow she's like multi-talented but hey you know <laughs> queen of pop sure it wasn't as good as dime bag but definitely whatever. not definitely <laughs> not no contest no contest but like moving right along let's go into walk right now everyone loves this track it's a staple in heavy metal and and it's it's an anthem in in heavy metal and you've got like this strong slow tempo guitar riff that will have like, you know, headbanging like right away and it opens with walk, right? Phil then enters. Do you hear my dog in the background? This poor little guy, I wonder what's going on with him. Like, I wonder if you hear him. Like, he's I don't like, hear him myself. All right, but... good, all right, good. I mean, poor little guy. I was like, I wonder what's going on with him. Um, Phil then enters like with this commanding vocal performance and everyone can sing along to like the song. And actually do, I know I've done it on many occasions. And it's like really an infectious tune. And again, you've got this outstanding guitar, you know, this guitar solo from Dimebag, followed by, you know, Rex showcasing his incredible bass playing. Respect. What did you say? Blake, what did you say? Are you talking, Are you talking to, me? to me? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Really? This is like an anthem, seriously. I've, been, I've waited years to say into a microphone, walk on home, boy. Yeah. <laughs> woo. <laughs> Here you go. You just had the chance. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this song was included on the soundtrack for the 20, 2022 film Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I mm-hmm. apparently never saw. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it either. I don't know great. if any- uh, is there any Sonic the Hedgehog fans out there? Well, it was during a scene with Dr. Robotnik, Robotnik, 
<laughs> and he was attacking Sonic in the Death Egg Robot. So I guess he told him to walk on Homeboy. <laughs> but anyway, yes, it's a great song too. And there's another one that you could say is one of the best on the album with another four or five or six of them. <laughs> yep. Yay. And, and moving right along, we're going to do, all right, should I say, I don't want to say this word on the air because they might bleep it out. It's well, they're bleeping. not going to bleep it out. <laughs> they're not? Well, bleeping hostile. I think everyone knows it is. Effing <laughs> hostile, right? And Phil starts off his song by, like, he's immediately, like, spitting out these abrasive li- lyrics at everybody. And and he's doing this, like, throughout the song. And both the percussions and, and the guitars, like, really click, and you get, like, this hard-hitting, like, vibe that like you want to punch somebody in the face here just like the album cover and and that's like really dangerous right and 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 dying bag once again impresses us with this fantastic solo and and this this song is pretty fantastic all around and you know what i just figured out what that my little dog is like doing his little thing for he wants me to open the door so go ahead. Now it's your turn, Blake. Okay. I'm bringing, like reality of life into this. <laughs> well, the song I'm going to say the word "fucking hostile" because I'm sure a lot of uh, teenagers just love being able to say that to their parents when their parents would yell at them to t- turn this song down or to turn this album down. This song is only this is the shortest song on the album. It's like two minutes and forty eight seconds, but it just. And of course, you want more when you listen to it. I think you do wish it was more four or five. Yeah, you minutes. do. You <laughs> definitely do. Yeah. But it's definitely a kick in the face or a punch in the face, like you said. And yes, like the album cover. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, well, so and here we go. Another one of my favorites on this album, I guess, would be this one. I don't know if using the F word is why when I was younger that I loved it so much. I don't know, but it is definitely fucking hostile yes okay i said it yeah. i can i can see you grooving in this as a as a younger person i can see you be like and like listen to it like and then they go from it. this to this love yes this love you know god only knows how many times i've listened to this song in my life um the opening guitar riff of this love is it's soft and it has this like acoustic <laughs> thing going on and I mean, you want to fall in love with Phil. Everyone wants to fall in love with Phil as he's singing this song. And he he sings in this voice that's kind of on, on their earlier albums. This is from what I read, even though I haven't like really versed myself in like their their earlier albums. And then you get the chorus that starts. And you know, Phil repeatedly he bellows his love, but in this combative manner which is so filled, right? And there's these like numerous tempo variations in the song, you know, ranging from slow to then you have Dimebag solo, which is like fantastic and really, really soulful. And overall, This Love is, is a great song with both aggressive and melodic sections. Um, I consider this a love song um, truly, I really do. And I, something must be wrong with me to think this. Um, I'll kill myself for you. I'll kill you for myself. Whoa. 
really, wow, is this is this heavy metal mating call or what? <laughs> I'm in love. Well, I guess the song was by Phil. I guess Phil wrote, I don't know if Phil wrote all the lyrics, but anyway, on this song, it's it was pretty much the story of a relationship he had been in. And surprise, surprise, he was really mad about it. Right. Right. Now, now me, as you know from our previous podcast and just talking all these years, I'm not a big ballad guy. <laughs> Could have fooled me. No, I know it's a power ballad and it's heavy at times, but still, uh, I'd rather hear Phil scream. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, I know it's a great song, but it's just not one of my favorites, but that's okay. Right. We will rise to the occasion. Okay, perfectly said. Great segue there. Right, rise. There it is. And with rise, what do we get? We get these fast drum beats, um, bass kickoff. Um, we got the guitar riff. And you really want to rise and you want to bang your head. Um the chorus is undoubtedly the most remembered element of this song. It's quick, it's simple, you can sing along to it. And again, Dime Bag gives us like another incredible solo, right? You know, Rex's bass playing is really phenomenal. And, you know, Dime Bag is shredding away. And, you know, ultimately, Rise is yet another excellent song. Yes, and they, oh, sorry. Stole you, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was just gonna say, like they go from the ballad back into another fast and speedy song. I find mm -hmm. that the drum drumming is some of the fastest on the album, actually. And yes, it's a great guitar solo, but again, we can say that about a lot of Dimebag guitar solos. Right. And again, I got I have it written down here. It's one of the best tracks. We can't have all these best tracks, but anyway, it's another one of my favorites. Yes. Sure, you can. You can have all these as <laughs> great tracks. It's hard. It's hard. You know, this is one of these like if you were stranded on a deserted island. <laughs> kind of thing you know what i mean like what would you bring with you like what kind of see that's like everyone asks like, what kind of cd mm -hmm. and be like hmm, this might be a part of the collection get me <laughs> mad on the island of why i'm there and i'm stranded <laughs> well they have like yeah anyway go yes go ahead let's do yes. something no good yeah no good no good yes but it is good plan <laughs> <laughs> words I, I love the beginning of this song you get this catchy guitar solo and Phil starts singing in this like spoken word type of style, um, which is followed by this, this beautiful guitar riff and it's delicious and it's catchy. And it's, it's very, very original. And the guitar solo is probably my favorite highlight of the whole song. And um, Dimebag never ceases to like astound me um, in his playing. And it's a hard, Fantastic rocking song. Um, friends are few and far between. I'm feeling this, y'all. Badassery. <laughs> yep. Well, there's a lot about, you know, race and prejudice in this song, which kind of comes up later in Philip's life, but we're not going to get into that. I don't think. No, we, we won't. <laughs> but when I, I first. I, I You said the guitar solo is your favorite part. My favorite part is the ending where they they just kind of thrash out there and just kept pounding away. And I just love that part. That's probably my favorite part of the song. I could probably just listen to the last like 30 seconds of the song and be happy. Right. 
it's like you get in a trance, like you hear it and you're like in this trance, like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and we have next is um, living at home. Oh boy. Um, it's now this one, it, it's, it's not, it's not my favorite favorite, but it's not my, you know, negative way of not being a favorite. You know, it's darker. It's a little bit more violent in tune. It's got like a slower tempo and it's very, very heavy. Now, uh, Phil's vocals are always great on Dimebag guitars. Stuff is incredible. Not my ultimate favorite, but still a strong track. I'm giving you my <laughs> fist pump. It's still a strong track. You guys can't. It's nice. This. It's <laughs> nice to hear you, Georgina, say one that isn't your favorite. So let's go. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. It's very <laughs> rare. Very rare. You're right. It's very rare. But it's not my favorite, but it's still good. It's still kind of, it works. Yeah, this is more, this isn't a ballad, but it's a slower, heavy song. It's not as fast as some of the other ones. So yeah, it probably wouldn't be one of my favorites either. But it's above the two ballads. <laughs> right. But uh, the, the lyrics on the song are about individuals with overwhelming social anxiety. So I'm sure we can live this today. And but and you know, and they try to find inner peace within their soul, which doesn't really sound like Pantera, but I guess it is on this song. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start the next song because I only have one sentence to say about this next song. But the next song is called Regular People. Mm-hmm. And all I have to say is, you ain't got the balls, son. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a way to go. Oh, my goodness. Well, all right. Um, well, throughout this song, there's there's you got these guitar riffs that are great. Drumming is great. Um, obviously, Phil's vocals are really excellent on this track. And obviously the chorus, like many others on the album, is infectious and very strong. Um, Rex uh, Brown, his bass performance, continues to kind of wow me here. And it's it's lengthier than all the other tracks, but I like it that way. Yeah, baby. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Without yeah. question. Good stuff. I'll let you start the next one. I don't know if you have a lot to talk about. Well, no, I don't. But by demons be driven. Wow. And we get a lot. This is another, you know, another heavy song. I guess I don't need to say that. But we got a lot of, he does a lot of spoken word where he does beckon the call, beckon the call. (laughs) And then he'll scream out by demons be driven. But there's a lot of that. He does a lot of spoken word actually on this album. He'll throw in some things like the start of that no good is spoken word, like you mentioned. So he throws that in a lot. I don't really think that was really in Cowboys from Hell, really, that I can recall anyway. And so what do you think of this song? Well, I I think it's one of the underappreciated tracks of the CD. Um, Obviously, you've got these guitar riffs that are kind of brutal and terrifying but great um the, the chorus is, is is dark and powerful um his his vocals are really amazing on this track though and um dime bag is obviously jamming in the entire song um while Vinny does his things you know on the on his drums and the guitar solo is pretty distinct um from the others on the album 
and this tool totally rocks. I deem it to be driven, it totally rocks. Yes, and, and then we close out with another power ballad, Pantera okay. style, I guess you could say. <laughs> and uh, the lyrics are a reflection on a friend who has slipped into a comatose or vegetative state. Wow. Phil always says that the song was not about a specific person, but a series of losses that he suffered in his life. And again, since we've already talked about, I'm not a big on. This is a little ahead, maybe a little speedier than the other one, this love, but still wouldn't be one of my favorites. But I'm sure you love it, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> what gave it away? What gave it away? What a great way to end an album, really. Hollow reminds me, it reminds me a lot of Cemetery Gates um, uh, from the, the last album. It's, it's lyrical. It's heavy. Um, Dimebag's work is soulful, and, and Phil's vocals are actually kind of softer. And the guitar solo is outstanding. Um, I believe around the three minute point of the song, there's like that sweet, that, that speech change that um, you take into consideration. And there's this like stronger sound that contributes to more originality of the song. And the guitar playing, again, what can we say is fantastic here. Um, and Vinny's like working really hard on the drums here in the song. And Hollow is a great way to round out the record without question. Great oh, stuff. you say yes. Oh, of course, with a big Y <laughs> and a big E and a big S. So the final verdict, what's the final verdict on the album, Blake? Well, for, for me, I mean, I yes, I love it. I know, I kind of know, I know what number you're going to give it, but for me, I'm giving it a nine because I'm taking a half point off for each ballad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I should be. So you bands out there, stop making ballads and I won't remove a half point from your score. Oh. <laughs> Even though I know those are two of people's favorite songs, but they're just not mine. And and like, because I really like the next. I like Cowboys from Hell, and then I really like the next album too, Far Beyond Driven. I'm not, I'm not really sure which one I actually like the best, really. But so, how about you then with that one? Well, I mean, oh, you know, the vulgar display of power um, CD. There's like this adrenaline rush from the beginning, and there's a lot of technical uh, proficiency as well, um, along with this aggressive approach in this album. And I think it's an excellent example of how the band uh, became attentive and they kind of opened the door to like all these other, I think, subgenres within this specific genre. And Pantem, you know, Pantera demonstrated to us that they were like the finest thing in metal in 1992. Um, and overall, it's one of my all-time favorite albums, and you know what I'm going to give it. I am going to give it a 10. <laughs> I, get, I would say this is my, probably my, it probably does rank as my favorite Pantera album, even though yeah. Cowboys from Hell is more sentimental, just because it's the first one I heard, and I love Cowboys from Hell song. But overall, the songs 
on this are a little better than Cowboys and a little better than Far Beyond Driven, but it is pretty close. But yes, I'm not surprised you gave it a 10. Mm. <laughs> Actually, haven't you given a 10 to every album we've done a podcast I on? I have. You know, it's very hard for me. I'm like, <laughs> I am I am loyal to the brand, baby. Well, we're going to have to pick a crappy album so you have a different rating. Uh, Oh my gosh, I'll let you pick that one. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Maybe if you go into like death metal or black metal, maybe I might be able. Well, yeah, but you have to you have to actually listen to it though. I know. Is that that? Oh gosh, I don't want the listeners to be upset. But I was like, hmm, you know, I have like my genre of favorites. But yeah, okay, but so I'll, do we... throw one at me. Throw one at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll think about that for the future. All right. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Blake. So are we gonna? I I made a top ten song list. Are you gonna make one as I say mine? Yes, I will. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of play it by ear. I'm okay, so I'm ear. gonna do. I'll do my top ten starting at number ten. So my number tenth song. Now, of course, these are all hard to do. I realize, but it's still fun to see how. It's fun to see how we compare and also to see what albums we pick the songs from. So maybe this will decide which album I like the best when I do my top 10 list, even though. But anyway, so number 10, I have Goddamn Electric, which is from Reinventing the Steel, which, of course, is not in these three albums that I've kind of been talking about. But that is the only song that appears that isn't on these three albums that we that I mentioned earlier. Number nine is Cemetery Gates, which I guess you could, is that a ballad? Because you said that sounds like hollow. So maybe that is the slowest song I got in my top 10 list. But yeah, I like Cemetery Gates from Cowboys from Hell. And number eight, also from Cowboys from Hell, I got The Art of Shredding. I think I just love the name of that song, maybe the best. <laughs> yeah, that is a great day. That really is. And then I got number seven, I got I'm Broken. Oh, okay. I believe that's that's on Far Beyond Driven, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then I have wait, I'm counting wrong. Number seven, number six, I have fucking hostile from this album. Number five, I have Mouth for War, which is from uh Far Beyond Driven. Then I have number four, I have Five Minutes Alone, which is also from Far Beyond Driven. Uh oh. <laughs> And number three is also from Far Beyond Driven in Becoming. And my number two song is from this album, and that is Walk. And my number one song, do you have a guess what my number one Pantera song is? I have no idea. Drum roll, please. Give it to me. Go ahead. (laughs) It's Cowboys from Hell, of course. (laughs) Very cool. All right. That's the first song I probably ever heard by them, and... I still love that song. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Here I go. I'm winging it. All right. Here we go. Pure rage and power. 10. Weeping hostile, baby. Vulgar display of power. Okay. That'll be my 10. Um, nine. I I love this love. I love that song. So I'll make that number nine, right? Again, from um, the vulgar display of power CD. Um, number eight, I would probably say, hmm, Domination from uh, Cowboys from Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, I'm just like you, Blake. I'll do uh, I'm Broken. Um, or I think the sevens are, are, are like kind of aligned. Our sevens are aligned far beyond. Yes. Like, I'm broken. <laughs> we're, 
six, I would say Mouth of War. Really love mm -hmm. that song from once again a vulgar, you know, vulgar display of power. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff coming out of here. <laughs> um, five would be, I guess, maybe five minutes alone from uh, Far Beyond Driven. I'll I'll put that in there. Mm -hmm. um, four, I would say, hmm, Bloods from the great. Uh, Southern Trend Kill. Oh, Actually, yes. Three, Walk, again, from this album, Vulgar Display of Power, look how many. Uh, two, Cowboys from Hell, from the same name, um, and Cemetery Gates, from Cowboys from Hell, would probably be my number one and it's just so com commercialized Ta -da. good that's my 10 thank you blake thank you thank you thank you <laughs> and thank you pantera for producing this wonderful body of work for us to enjoy right yes i, I don't yeah, well yes uh i don't listen to the like i mentioned i kind of listen to those three cowboys vulgar and far beyond driven the most i don't really i don't know it's, i'm kind of old school sometimes where i have a, a band and like you know metallica i'll listen to their first three albums most of the time <laughs> compared to the other ones and pantera got these three albums and then whatever other groups i always seem to do that iron maiden only listen to the first five albums <laughs> even though they have like 20 or whatever it is but that's just the way I am, I guess. But you have any closing thoughts on this album? No, I mean, I again, like, you know, it's very, very hard. I mean, I would do some history on the year, but I don't know if that's going to bore people, right? <laughs> I'm sure we've covered it good. Yeah, no, no, we definitely have. We definitely yes. have. And I will say, I'll tentatively say that, so this podcast, our, our next podcast, I mean, next week, tentatively, is going to be about Iron Maiden's The Number of the Beast album. Ooh, cool. And then in the future, we got one of your favorite bands, probably Cradle of Filth, coming up that I'm going to be doing with Stacia. Oh, okay. You, you can join us on that one if you want. All right. <laughs> but anyway, so I guess we'll say goodbye and thank everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to us. And I hope you enjoyed um, uh, our, our, our banter at times and, and our pros and cons of Vulgar Display of Power. Thanks for joining us here tonight. Much appreciated. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank right? you. Bye. Bye. Keep it heavy, guys. <laughs>